When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's preseason. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the first episode of the Happy Hour podcast, where we're going to provide you guys a whole lot of fun, some rankings, maybe even a little movie talk, but we're going to have you prepared for the upcoming NFL season on all different aspects. I am joined by my partner here, Mr. Matthew Fox. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good. Just uh, dropped my wife off at the airport. She's going home for eight days. So I guess uh, I will be watching a thousand movies and preparing for the Hall of Fame game. That's super exciting. Um, yeah, I just got done watching Annette and I'll talk about that on another day because I can't talk about it quite yet because I'm embargoed on it. But um, for those of you listening for the first time, this is where you typically would have heard the Debbie Delight. I had just altered it. You will now hear uh, Matthew Fox and I on the Happy Hour podcast. What we're going to talk about here is we're going to talk a lot of fantasy football. That's going to be the prime focus is the fantasy of football, but there's also going to be weekly daily fantasy talk when the football season kicks off. There's going to be a lot of betting talking from myself. I'm going to give you some of my favorite bets of the weekend. But more importantly, the goal here with the Happy Hour podcast is for you to have fun and for us to have fun as well. Um, and at the end of each show, we're going to give you guys a little bit of thoughts on some of the movies that we've watched as well. So we wanted to kind of give you guys an all-in-one podcast that you can hear and hear some crazy takes whenever it comes to football and some maybe some outlandish movie recommendations that we can have for each and every one of you guys. So with that being said, today's episode... We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL Hall of Fame game. We're going to share our top 32 rankings for our quarterback position. Uh, we'll, cut, we'll probably fly through the rankings, but throughout that, we're going to kind of highlight some disparities between Matt and my rankings, some underrated, some sleeper guys, and overhyped and do not draft quarterbacks. For me personally, I think what the highlight here is – is to help you be prepared for that upcoming draft. Draft season is here. Not everybody plays Dynasty, and I get it. Um, some people play redraft. Some people play best ball. The strategies we're going to provide for you, we hope help you win at least one or two games. We cannot promise any championships here because, well, you know, we don't promise anything here on the Happy Hour Podcast other than we will make you laugh. I promise you that. So, all right, Fox. And it could be at us, not with us. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably the highlight of it. So, Fox, the obviously with the upcoming game of the week, we've got Thursday, this coming Thursday. Insane to even think about it. Football I know, six days away, one day and shy of six months since the last game. Exactly. So the, the Hall of Fame game, what are your expectations and kind of what do you hope to see from this game? Well, first of all, I'm just excited. I'm a little bit torn because I don't know about you, but I've been watching Olympics every night. Um, and I think poor Hall of Fame class of 2020 had to wait an extra year to get inducted and they have to get inducted up against the final uh, day of the 2020 Olympics. So <laughs> you know, kind of rough sledding. But for the Hall of Fame game, it'll be exciting to see football back. Um, we didn't get any preseason at all uh, last year because of the pandemic. Um, I think 
that was totally understandable, but I realized afterward how much I kind of missed that because preseason is a time where you get to see some of these different players and you get to see people kind of rise up and make a squad. I am very curious. Dak is back, but he, you know, this week, if you've been following the news, he tweaked his shoulder. I would not expect to see him in the Hall of Fame game. I don't think they're going to play him. Michael Gallup uh, is listed as questionable. He's probably not going to play. I would not be surprised if we don't see a lot of the top-end Cowboys. But a big question for me is kind of their backup quarterback situation. Last year, they had uh, Andy Dalton there, and we all know he's kind of going and vying for the starting spot in Chicago. So we're going to get a look probably at Ben DiNucci, Garrett Gilbert, Cooper Rush. What do those guys look like? Those are household names, guys, if you did uh, not know those at home, maybe. You know, so with Dak Prescott, they're probably a potential top five offense. Without Dak last year, we were really excited about the prospect of, hey, at least they have a solid veteran in Andy Dalton that didn't always play out. But now it's like, hey, Garrett Gilbert, didn't I see him in the AAF at one point in time? Uh, ben DiNucci, Cooper Rush. So I'm kind of curious what they look like. The other position for the Cowboys that I'm really curious about um, is tight end. You know, Blake Jarwin seemed like he was set to ascend last year, got injured. Dalton Schultz had a pretty incredible season, was a top 12 tight end finisher. People just think it's going to go all back to Blake Jarwin. I think there might be a split. Preseason is going to be a time where we see that rotation. Uh, curious about some younger receivers like a Noah Brown, something like that, because we know Gallup contract year, always rumors about him getting traded. For the Steelers, I kind of hope we see Najee Harris, but I also want nothing to ha- bad to happen to him. I'm curious about their offensive line. I think that's going to be the biggest question. Yeah, so for me, Dallas-wise, I'm not really worried uh, Dallas-wise from top to bottom. Tight end position is the highlight. I am I am the vice president or at least one of the cabinet members of the Dalton Schultz fan club. I've been taking him late in a lot of my drafts. My only concern with either one of the tight ends is that we do have three valuable wide receivers catching passes. And then on top of that, we Plus have Zeke. Well. Yeah. So they're really the fifth option in this offense. I wouldn't hate the idea of Gallup disappearing, you know what I mean? Because I feel like that would open the door for at least one of these tight ends. But I'm very interested in the in the backup quarterback situation. Do Dallas, after seeing Thursday's game, do they like, man, we need to go out here and get somebody? Do they go get a Nick Foles? Do I do they go get somebody that has some veteran experience? Because it, the, the offense was putrid without Dak, and Dak is one of, in my opinion, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And and when he's on, this offense is going to click on all cylinders. I do think that in the fantasy world, that we've gotten to the point where we're completely disrespecting Zeke Elliott. I don't understand it. I, I'm a big Zeke fan. I love Zeke. I'm drafting him. I think that he is easily a top twelve back because he has a dual threat capability. Um, I doubt we see him on Thursday. Offensively on the on the Pittsburgh, I'm with you. I'm ready to see what they do depth-wise at wide receiver because even Juju is in that contract year. Deontay Johnson is going to have to – you know, he's going to make some noise, and if he does make enough noise, he's going to want some more money. They have Chase Claypool. You know, how does he fluctuate in? Pat Fairmouth, I, I don't know if he's playing this week. Well, I know he's recovering from the injury. They're um, another good team um, where backup quarterback could be fascinating because you have both Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins who are yeah. basically on the last legs, in my opinion, of their NFL career. Can either of them cement the idea that they could be Ben's successor? 
Right. Dwayne Haskins um, is a second or two away from being a star in the XFL when it comes back next year. Um, but uh, no offense to the guy. He's just not very good. But for me, I think that you're right 100%. Is that offensive line good enough? I don't want to see Najee Harris until week one of the NFL. I have too much Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. I've seen far too many times in preseason where my guy goes down. So I'm so you're, you're hoping for quite a bit of Benny Snell. Is what I'm yeah, thinking. Benny Snell. I don't care if it's the garbage man. I don't care who is running. Kalen Balazs is there. So you are. <laughs> so I don't care who's running the ball. I just don't want to see him. Honestly, I, I want to see you. I want to see if we get any Ben. Ben Slimmer. He looks good. This is. I think this is the best we've seen Ben fit-wise in a long time. We do know that he's playing with the shoulder injury. Um, I do think that he's going to benefit a lot from Najee Harris. But – if he benefits from Najee Harris, we're going to see some benefication from um, from Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and and Juju. The wide receiving core there. My, that's my final question about this game to you: is where where do you rank these three receivers? I know we're going to do receiving rankers mm-hmm. elsewhere, but give them to me um, what you go into the season, maybe in redraft. How would you draft these guys? It's so hard. I mean, you can make a case for any of them. All three were top 25 last year. I think top 24, actually. I still think Juju Smith-Schuster ends up being the highest scorer. Personally, I think they'll be a more balanced offense. I really liked the Najee Harris pick. I liked what it meant for Ben, what it means for the Steelers. But I think it'll change the offense. They slung it a lot last year. But they didn't have exceptional um, results when you look at yardage and and stuff like that. And I actually think that going all in on passing is what had them finish one and four in the regular season, one and five, if you count the shellacking in the playoffs. So for me, it's probably um, Juju, Deontay Johnson, Claypool. I feel like Claypool was at his best when he was like the home run hitter. Mm -hmm. and. I don't know if I have a good feel that that's going to be what they're at. But it also wouldn't surprise me. 144 targets for Deontay Johnson. I think he only caught 83. I'll look it up. Juju had 20 fewer targets and had 10 more receptions. So yeah. Johnson was not very efficient, which gives me yeah. a little bit of a moment of pause. I do think that I blame a little bit of that on Roethlisberger. I think that he was a lot more errant last year than he had been in years past. But I do think that this – I think this offense might trickle down to a two-receiver offense with Najee in the picture. Because, And I'm saying um, fantasy value-wise. You know what I mean? I think that all three of them bring something to the table on the offense. But if they really do hone in and try to run the football like they should – and kind of open up that passing game for a, a, an aging Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I do think that we could see a Juju Johnson one, two at the top. I, I love Juju. I'm a big fan of Juju. I think that his off the field stuff is whatever. I don't really care for it, but at the same time, I don't really care what he does. Mm. Make yourself a star elsewhere, whatever. Um, but he's also in the contract year. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he could, he needs a big breakout season to kind of really highlight what he's capable of doing. And he could be one of those top free agent targets at the end of the year. So I'm excited to see what's in store. I'm excited. Football's yeah. Back. yeah so, no, those guys did a lot of their damage last year on uh, touchdowns because they, each of the three had over a hundred targets. Um, it was 144 and 88 receptions for Johnson, only 923 yards. None of them cracked a thousand. Only Johnson cracked nine hundred. To me, that's a lot of throwing without 
huge numbers, you know, exactly. like, especially they when you look at somebody like Canadian Brown, you know, yeah, they they yeah. yeah, they run a dink and dunk offense because Ben's arm's not as, you know, strong as it once was, you know what I'm saying? But I agree with you hundred percent. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to highlight, um, we're going to go through our, our, uh, our rankings here, our top 32 rankings. Um, I, I say maybe we just, you know, highlight some of the disparities that we have amongst them. Um, what I'm going to do is we'll make sure to post these rankings over on the Music City Drive-In for you guys to check out. Um, each week, Matthew Fox and I are going to be um, sharing our weekly redraft rankings for you guys. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it because Matt actually made a pretty cool spreadsheet that you'll be able to track our season rankings, which I'm terrified of at the same time because I'm not sure how I did last year. Last year was my first time really kind of diving into the rankings, and it was it was definitely – um, it's hard. I, I think people that criticize rankings, especially weekly rankings, don't understand how hard it is to really hone it in, narrow it down. Because once you, I feel like especially you're when you have in, another job, you know, where you well, can yeah, spend eighty it. hours a week just breaking down the film. Exactly. And the thing for me is, is what people don't realize. I think weekly, especially at the quarterback position, you can get a ten to twelve solid top 10 to 12 weekly. My biggest problem is when you get into that lower half, the matchups matter, not including the running backs, who's going to step up, who's not going to be, especially the first three or four weeks of the season when you have multiple running backs doing multiple things. It's very hard to really kind of figure out the post 15 to 30 rankings each week and, and when injuries come into play and stuff like that. But all right, Fox, I'm going to let you kick it off. Some of the disparities, which one of those ones were you kind of surprised by? Well, I think it starts uh, at the top. It's interesting. You and I have the same four quarterbacks in the in the top, but you and I are exactly opposite on who we have one and four. I went with Mahomes. Now, I'm, Mahomes is probably the safest pick. And we'll say, again, this is for 2021 season-long um, yes. rankings. Mahomes feels like the safest pick. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't end up as QB1, but I thought it was interesting um, – the guy that you went as QB1, I have a little bit of regression this year. So if you want to share yours. Yeah. So my top four look like your top four was the Mahomes, Prescott, Murray, Allen. Mine's Allen, Prescott, Murray, Mahomes. It's kind of funny how that that we have one and four or two and three the same, but one and four. I'll be honest with you. I was on the verge of making Dak my you know QB1. Mm. I have no qualms with anybody i have no qualms with anybody having any of these four guys in their top spot mm -hmm. i'm concerned with murray but i'm very confused by murray like he scares me i don't think i will have any shares of murray i may regret that and i'm okay with that but he just kind of scares me alan i'm just i'm sold i have been on the i hate josh allen bandwagon for a very very long time and somebody may watch this and or hear this and be like oh they might clip this and use this against me for the rest of my life but i'm all in on josh allen i think that we're going to see a lot more out of him again this year i do like the offense mm -hmm. uh, yeah the receiving core is something that to watch for i do like the addition of emmanuel sanders i know that he's half of what he used to be, but I do think that he's going to slot into there and the Cole Beasley situation. It is what it is. That'd be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, especially with his playing time. But I mean, I, obviously for me outside of digs, I don't think any of these receivers are worth owning anyway in fantasy, but in real life football, um, I do think that he can utilize all of these guys, the running back situations, a question mark, but, and with the question mark of the running back, I see a lot more 
of Josh Allen rushing. And yeah. we're going to see a whole lot of that. And I think that that to me is in play. It's crazy to me that I think it's been what, three or four years since Mahomes has finished as the QB one. I don't think it, yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy, but there's the 17 weeks comes into play when you, when you think about it, obviously in the big picture with stats and numbers. But for me, what's crazy is if, if any of these four guys finish number one, yeah, I'm not. But well, even, even the guys we have at uh, five, six, and seven, you know, I wouldn't be incredibly shocked. I, I was, I was, I will be honest. I was a bit stubborn. I did forget to update my rankings because I do believe that I would have Aaron Rodgers probably, uh, maybe a little bit higher. I'd probably have him higher than Murray, but I'd probably flip flop Murray Mahomes just because now we know Rodgers is back a hundred percent. That does play a huge factor. But I do think that you can't go wrong with any of of these guys long term i think that top eight for me personally is yep. really solid um and we have yeah. the same i think we have the same guys all in the top eight so we can list that out just a slightly uh different order because so i have uh one through eight i have mahomes Dak prescott kyler murray josh allen four Lamar Jackson at five, Aaron Rodgers at six, and Justin Herbert at seven, then Russell Wilson at eight. Do you want to give you – and so you have the exact same players, just a slightly different order. Yeah, Allen's one, Prescott two, Murray three, Mahomes four, Herbert five, Lamar Jackson six, Aaron Rodgers seven, and Wilson eight. And like I said, I think Rodgers would probably be my three now, and Mahomes would be four, Murray five, and then everybody else kind of shifts down. So Herbert six. Lamar yeah. at one at one point in time I I did have Herbert five I've looked a little bit when we knew Rogers is not only back but he's back all the way at the beginning of camp and basically kind of has the fu mentality <laughs> I considered putting him up a little higher I had always thought he was going to end up playing all season for Green Bay I did not think Green Bay wanted to trade him for the exact reason of what. New England experience last year, seeing Tom Brady walk out the door and hoist a trophy somewhere else. I think that's Green Bay's worst nightmare right now would be, you know, oh, we'll ship Rodgers off, we'll play a season of Jordan Love and then watch Aaron Rodgers like hoist a Lombardi trophy in February. You know, that's not what you need coming out of the pandemic. So I never thought they were going to trade him, um, but I feel a lot confident. And I, I've been thinking about it. Uh, Jackson, I know he's out right now with COVID, but his rushing floor is massive is massive. So I did end up shifting a little bit. I also have a few concerns that the chargers may have a better defense and may take a year to grow into this new coaching staff, which may drop her back a little bit. I, I love Herbert. I think you love him too, obviously, but questions. I, I can see that. I do as well. I think my biggest concern is with them is it's, it's, the division, it's a lot of high scoring point. You're going to have to score points, especially against the Chiefs. I looked at their, their schedule. I think that it favors – they do have a fantastic defense, and that is obviously a concern. And obviously with Eckler going, Eckler going down, they had to throw the ball a little bit more. I do think they rely on him a little bit. I, my quarterback rankings are just – ever, especially the top eight are just fluctuating. I, I do think for me, for me as, as talking to somebody that does a lot of drafts each year, especially in these redraft formats, I am not – touching really any of the top eight guys i mean super flex different story yes target yourself a quarterback asap but i think that there is plenty of value 
in the nine through mm-hmm. 15 range that, and even past that, because there's guys that I struggled ranking. Like I struggled figuring out where I was going to put them because the upside is so massive. Like, I mean, if you look at the, that, that not like the range I was talking about that nine through 16 range where you have names like Jalen Hurts, who has that dual threat. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a good football quarterback, but this isn't a football podcast. It's a fantasy football podcast. So for me, Jalen Hurts' dual threat abilities there. Tom Brady, what does he look like? The entire team is back, right? You know what I mean? Ryan Tannehill. I'm not as high on Ryan Tannehill as everybody else because I think Ryan Tannehill is a not a very good football quarterback. But again, this is a fantasy football podcast. And last year, you can't ignore his 40 touchdowns. And Let's throw in Julio Jones and let's throw in the fact that the Titans don't have a defense like that. Those things factor into these rankings. But if I can get a Matthew Stafford, who even with Cam Akers out now might have to throw the ball a little bit more. And and he has much better weapons than he's ever had in in Detroit outside of Calvin. But that was one weapon. Yeah. But Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be more serviceable than people think. Joe Burrow in that 18 range. Daniel Jones, does he take that step forward? There's a lot of guys here. Ben Roethlisberger, what does that look like You know, for a full season? I do think that they rely more on the run. But even Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence has that dual threat ability. I'm a little bit higher on Lawrence. You have him at 16, I'm at 13. But that middle, was that middle range, that 9 through 16, was that hard for you to rank like it was for me? Yeah, and I made some adjustments. So that probably brings to the biggest lightning rod is going to be – so Rodgers was a big story for quarterbacks this week. The other big story is Deshaun Watson reported and appears to be, at least for now, getting the all clear from the NFL. He's out there practicing. I will uh, admit that – so for some of you who listen to me on the Fantasy Football Roundtable, we went over quarterback rings. I have adjusted mine a little bit with some of the shifts. I – I'm now sort of leaning toward the idea that if Watson remains committed and dug in, that he's going to play for the Texans, the NFL is not going to keep him off. So I have reintroduced him into my rankings. I still don't think Houston's a great team, but I put him back up into the top 12 at QB 11. It wouldn't surprise me if he misses a few games. I also think the Texans offense isn't wonderful, but Sean Watson, when he's really humming has top five upside so some people that that made gambles on him, you know, people that took him in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, you know, I made one dynasty trade where I could live without him if he wasn't available, but if he comes back, gives me an incredible super flex lineup. It looks like that may pay off, and this isn't to comment on on his case, just uh, you know what we're going to see on the field. So I ended up dropping him up to QB eleven. Yeah, see, for me, it's hard because. Where? Did, how long does this play out? Because we've seen in years past off the field things they do get suspended for Ben Roethlisberger being the key one there to even think back of. But then how long is the suspension? Like that's another thing. But for me, in the redraft format, it's very, very hard to really kind of pinpoint where I would take him. Because again, if this if the cases go up full, do you know what I mean? Like he is yeah. a, he, he is at practice, which is weird because they could put him on the commissioner's exemplus. He still could get paid. He wouldn't get fined yeah. the 50, 50 grand a day. Cause that's the only reason he showed up was because if he doesn't show up, he loses 50 grand a day. Right. So that yeah. that's, 
I mean, obviously for me, like if I was losing a hundred dollars a day by not showing up, I would show up, you know what I mean? But $50,000, it's a lot of reasons to show up. So it's kind of interesting to see what the NFL is doing here and they're not really doing anything yet. And I'm yeah. not speaking upon that and, and, and what he's done. I think that he is a valuable dynasty asset to no end. So if you can get him, I think it's smart because he will not be a Houston Texan after this year. I think he's going to play there, whether if he is suspended eight games, whether he's suspended a season, it doesn't matter. Watson has long-term value. So if you can steal him in your dynasty leagues, do it. You have to like the value is too high because if you look at Watson over the course of time, and if you give him a competent offense somewhere, like he's very capable. So I it's definitely a risk in 2021 because of everything you said. I, for a long time, have thought he was going to be on the exempt list. It just seems like some of what we're hearing now is they don't feel like they have enough evidence to justify it. So for me, the one thing that kind of stood out whenever I compare our rankings is um, there's two names that point out one guy that you're higher on and one guy that I'm lower on than you. And that's Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, what is your thought process with having him in that 20 slot? I have him, I have him 26, not a big fan. I'm very concerned with the offense. I don't, and think about it is, is so I guess my, let me, let me, let me rephrase the question. First question is, are you taking him? And then I want the part two of why you got him in that 20 range. I have him in a few super flex leagues, uh, especially dynasty leagues. I'm not afraid of him. Um, you know, I've taken him in a couple of best ball too, as you know, like a third or fourth quarterback. I liked him a lot coming out of college last year. I have a couple of concerns. Um, first and foremost, I don't know how ideal it was for a young quarterback that you're hoping to be a franchise quarterback to pull him for performance related issues and stick the veteran back in there as much as they did at the tail end of last season. Does that? have a long-term effect you know uh, matt bruning and i talked about that almost on a weekly basis at the end of last year it just seems like such a strange way to go especially when the dolphins said they didn't like making the playoffs wasn't their ultimate goal last year but it seemed like yanking him for performance and dropping fitzpatrick in to close games was a we need to make the playoffs kind of move so it was it was a very confused situation. He's out from under that a little bit. They got Jacoby Brissett, who started before, but who I don't think carries the stature of Fitzpatrick. That's good. They gave him some better weapons. That's good. They still feel like they're a little bit of a building project, and I don't know. You know, We'll probably get to this when we look at wide receivers. I didn't think Will Fuller was an incredible fit to me with that offensive scheme, so I think Tua is going to be a reliable low-end QB, too. He has some upside, but I'm not as bullish on him going into this season as I was after the draft. All right. So with that being said, um, like I said, folks, we're, we're going to kind of dive more into our rankings a little bit more in depth. Um, you can check out the full rankings um, on the website. I will have them posted very, very soon. But we want to go to the certain part of the segment, folks. I want to hit you with Matt, who's your underrated sleeper quarterback for the year? I'm still – I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. Um, I, you have him just inside your top 12. I have him right on right on the cusp at 13. 
a lot of people I've seen have been like, oh, he's low in QB2 at best. I think he has a lot of upside and potential. I don't buy the narrative at all that the offense is better without OBJ. I think that's actually going to help the passing numbers. He had a very strong end of the season. The only benefit I saw to the OBJ injury is he learned how to work within the offensive system and use all the other weapons, which is only going to make him that much better this year. Man, I've teeter-tottered with this one back and forth because there's two names that I like, and I'm going to try to stick to just the the one just so Matt doesn't yell at me. Um, there's no rules. It's chaos. It, uh, I'm going to – well, first off, I just realized I have one name twice on my ranking, so there's that. We'll have to fix that at a later date. <laughs> I just realized that. I do. That's one thing I got, I'm terrible at doing when oh, I do my – You like I, Daniel Jones so much. I like Daniel Jones so much that I have him ranked twice in my rankings. And I have to figure out who's missing from my rankings. I'm just going to cry a little bit while we're on the air. This is the part where it's fun and you'll be making fun of us weekly because Ricky double ranks people. Uh, I remember vaguely quick story last year when we did our rankings. It was me, you, Bruning, and Coulter. And then and Dennis were doing our rankings and Stoops would put them all together and get us a weekly uh a uh, yeah. weekly consensus and people would be missing from our rankings. So this is the type of stuff that you get to listen to weekly because it's embarrassing, but also fun. But for one guy that stands out to me the most, well, one was going to be Daniel Jones because he's twice as nice here. But for me, it's a guy that I'm not big on as a quarterback. But again, this is a fantasy football podcast. My guy, Zach Wilson. I really, really like him a whole lot. I think that offense is... I'm a little bit concerned with the run game, but I'm a big Michael Carter guy. I love Michael Carter. I think Michael yeah, Carter's really, right. really, 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 really good. And he was a steal in a lot of people's fantasy rookie drafts. But for me personally, what I'm looking at when I see the big picture here is they have weapons. It's a new offense. And the division is not great outside of Buffalo. The Patriots have a lot of question marks. I think that plays in a factor. They played good defense. But I think Zach Wilson is going to have a good year because I think that there's so many things that go in his favor. I really am high on certain teams this year because of the fresh faces. And I think that this is one of them. Adam Gase is gone, right? That's, that's, that's step one in the right direction of any team. And that to me stands out. But I think Zach Wilson has enough playmaking ability to really kind of hone in on this team. I do like how they open this the season with some pretty – Pretty solid offensive uh, or defensive opposing. They face Carolina, New England, Denver, Tennessee, Atlanta to start the year. I love that start for him. And then even after that, New England and Cincinnati again, obviously he hits a rough patch here and there. But when you're going down the stretch, you're looking at some of the defenses that he's facing. Houston, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Miami, and Jacksonville all riding his way all the way into the playoffs. I love Zach Wilson. I I love that Wilkin fantasy value because other than that, I think that he's just very mediocre, but I'm, I'm, and this team is their defense isn't going to be great. So they're going to have to throw from behind, right? That's another yeah. factor in the fantasy. So that to me is another reason why I like Zach Wilson. They might be playing from behind. It's going to take a couple of years for this team to kind of really hone in, but I love his schedule. And that's the reason why I still find it hard ranking him nonetheless, but I do have him slide in that 23 mark, but it would not surprise me if he's a low end QB one in that I say it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes in the top 15 this year. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, it might be a little high there, but for me, if he finishes top 15, where you're getting him, I don't really know what his ADP is right to second, but I'm pretty certain that you can get him for free if you're not in a super flex league. Even a super flex league, you target him a little bit late. I think it's a great pick for me. 
Um, so yeah, Zach Wilson's my guy um, for fantasy football purposes, because if you ever listen to the Debbie delight, I explained way too many occasions, how much I didn't like Zach Wilson. So, all right. So let's let you go first this time. Who's the guy you're fading in drafts? Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. Okay. I understand last year's stats. They are, they were monster stats last year. I can't deny what we saw out of Ryan Tannehill last year. And I'm pulling up his numbers right now. Of course, the 33 touchdowns, uh, seven interceptions. He looked fantastic. Let's throw in the addition of Julio. I understand that's going to be good. The only thing about it is, is can he get better than his 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions? Will they focus in on trying to pass a little bit more with Julio and A.J. Brown on the football field? Possibilities there. Is the defense awful? Yes. But I am not buying Ryan Tannehill at his value. We have him, I believe, lower than a lot of people do. He's in that nine to nine, nine spot for you and 11 spot for me. But personally, I've seen him ranked in the top eight of a lot of people's rankings. I do not see him. People say he has an upside of a top five. Sure, he does. There's a, everybody in that five to 15 range has top five potential. Ryan Tannehill's not that guy. I'm fading him at any cost. I don't care what round he sneaks into me as that. I just can't do it. I can't buy the hype. I don't think Tannehill's good. I think that he's a product of Derrick Henry, which – Good for him because he got $100 million out of it. He should probably break off some of that to Henry, but I don't buy the Tannehill hype. I'm never going to buy the Tannehill hype. Prove me wrong. You know what I mean? That's where I am with Tannehill. What about you, Matt? Yeah, and to your point on Tannehill, I I had him at seven a couple of weeks ago, and I've dropped down a little bit because when I looked at – you have a point in that his huge finish last year was bolstered by the fact that he rushed for 266 yards, which is almost a hundred yards more than he did the year prior um, with Tennessee played a few more games, but that's his pretty close to his career high. He's only had one year as a starting quarterback where he had more yards, seven rushing touchdowns. His previous career high was four the year prior in Tennessee. So if that comes back to earth, that's a lot of what propped uh, propped up his value. I think them. I'm with you adding Julio doesn't make them significantly more pass happy offense because they had a ton of vacated targets to replace with Corey Davis gone, Adam Humphrey's gone, Johnny Smith gone. Josh Reynolds wasn't going to be the man to take 120 targets. So they needed somebody to step in there. The guy I want no part of is Jalen Hurts. Um, I have moved him up. Uh, if you guys listened to me a couple of weeks ago, I had him at, at QB 23. I still don't believe in him at all. I have moved him up a little bit to 17. It does seem like he's going to be on the Eagles unless they pull off some kind of blockbuster for Deshaun Watson, um, which would be fascinating because they seem to be one of the, the leaders there, which kind of tells you they aren't all in on Jalen Hurts. I talk, I have a, a great friend uh, from fantasy drew who's a diehard Eagles fan. He seems to think that Jalen hurts is a one-year starter guy there too. I don't know what the system change does. I like some of their offensive pieces, but I think he could very much travel down a Daniel Jones year two path where you have turnovers and not a lot of touchdowns. I, I don't know how you feel. I don't think the Eagles are going to be a very good football team. Nope. And I've seen people talking about he's a surefire QB1. Um, you know, he's got a great floor. I don't necessarily agree he has a great floor. He does have a potentially great ceiling. I'm just not a believer. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm the same boat. 
I'm in the hundred percent the same boat. You know that I've, if anybody, again, if you're listening to this, you've listened to David light. I don't believe, I don't believe in the, uh, the talent. I don't think the talent is there. I really don't. I'm not saying he's not talented. He does have an arm. He has a cannon for an arm, but he is not consistent enough. There's going to be weeks where he'll put up 30 fantasy points. And then there's going to be weeks that he puts up six. That's Mm -hmm. what you're working with. And for me, I'm more in line with the consistency when it comes like that. And I'm rather, I'd rather get a guy, you know, have a guy that scores me 15 points, <laughs> 15, 20 points every week versus a one week six pointer, one week 30 pointer. And most times when it falls in line, you're starting him the wrong week, right? You know what I mean? This is the great matchup. I'm going to put him up there. He scores six points. Next week, you put him on the bench, he scores 30. You know, he's that type of quarterback that I believe is, is, is what is a detriment of having a bad quarterback on your roster. I do not believe in Jalen Hurts. This team's going be terrible the only upside and you're right i do think that his 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 ceilings through the roof right you know what i mean if he does connect if he if the run game does if he does work out his feet he can be a very light version of lamar jackson if they get the offense clicking but if they're even considering deshaun watson considering deshaun watson even with what's going on with deshaun watson that's an alarming thing already. You have a regime that did not draft him, right? Did not draft him, right? You know what I mean? Like people like their guys, right? You know what I mean? I do think Watson suits that offense way better. Again, the testament to Watson here, guys, if you get him in Dynasty and you get him for cheap, he goes to the Eagles. They have weapons. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have weapons and they don't have a defense, which is no different than any, you know, than the Houston Texans. You know what I mean? But um, I don't disagree with you there at all. So I do believe that's 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 the conversation we're going to have this week yep. for the um, fantasy football. If, if for those of you just listening for just fantasy football, you could go ahead and stop the podcast because we're going to break down some fun little movie stuff um, for us. I, um, I'll Fox, I'll let you kick it off. You dropped your binge watch this week. It was yep. the 30, 30 football edition for football documentaries. Um, give us some of your favorite football documentaries. Yeah, I thought it was great timing since uh, training camps opened and we're up and going. 30 for 30, wonderful series uh, that ESPN's had going since 2006. They've had a ton of great documentaries. Some of my favorite ones are the football documentaries. I dropped five uh, that I've really enjoyed. Um, The Band That Wouldn't Die, which is about the Baltimore Colts band who kept everything going, kept the spirit of football alive in Baltimore after the team left in the middle of the night. Just a fascinating story. Um, The Two Bills, which is a sit-down interview between Belichick and Parcells, kind of goes over their relationship, all the places that they have been. Run, Ricky, run. You know, we talk about Josh Gordon all the time and how much he missed out in football because of his addiction to marijuana. Ricky Williams, probably the first real marquee guy. Um, This was a great documentary where Ricky Williams wanted to put uh, provide unvarnished access and his only requirement for people as a filmmaker notes was that they tell the truth about him and about their experience. It's, it's a fascinating look at a guy that was always a really polarizing player on the field. And then my two most favorite documentaries, one is the four falls of Buffalo, which is about the four year span where the Buffalo bills went to the super bowl and lost every year, just some heartbreaking interviews. Um, God bless Scott Norwood 
for years he's gotten up and he's owned, you know, probably one of the most depressingly iconic moments in sports. If you guys have been following my top, uh, you know, my greatest of all time or greatest of my lifetime NFL spots, you know that I think that Bills team is criminally underrated because they never won a championship because the Super Bowl was a bad game for them. It was fascinating. My most favorite football documentary, one of my favorite movies actually, period, is Elway to Marino which tracks the 1983, the first round of the 1983 draft, which began with John Elway as the number one selection. Dan Marino was the penultimate selection, was the sixth, I think, of the quarterbacks that was taken there. They both had the same agent um, who kept a diary of the back and forth process. It is a incredibly fascinating deep dive documentary. And you get the interviews with like a Tony Eason, a Todd Blackledge, Ken O'Brien, uh, and Jim Kelly, who were the four quarterbacks that went in between them. that class of 83, uh, will probably always be remembered. And of course, you know, I love John Elway. So see, it's funny because you're the LA guy. I'm the Marino guy. I grew up a Dan Marino fan my entire life. Um, I do think Dan Marino, it's funny. He dropped in the draft because of a parent, you know, pot thing. You know what I mean? Like that was, you know, all because Marino might've liked to smoke a little pot in college. You know what I'm saying? It's funny. It's still funny to me this day that he's, that's still the reason why that he drafted. And here we are 30 years later, you know, 40 years, whatever many years later. The best like, interview is with the Steelers guy who says when he gets to heaven, his dad's going to ask him why the hell he didn't draft Marino. <laughs> exactly. I love Elway to Marino. It's my favorite as well. I'm a big Marino guy. I'm sad he never won a ring. I still think that Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the football game. I think that he really set the tone for how the quarterback position is played. Him, Marine, uh, him, Elway, Warren Moon. Um, I think Warren Moon's a, a figure that people soon forget in this football league. He's one of my favorite all-time quarterbacks to watch. Back in the day when you could watch the Marino versus Moon, because the Dolphins didn't play defense. Like, they didn't. They didn't know what defense was for a long time. And and uh, I do think Elway benefited from Terrell Davis for those last few Super Bowls. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in an argument with my boy Matthew Fox about how he got I don't know. It was Bowls definitely – So He wasn't uh... – you know, he was incredible at the beginning of his career and seemed to will Denver to three Super Bowls, all of which they lost. Yeah. But later it was the gift of Mike Shanahan, um, Rod Smith, an undrafted free agent who becomes your receiver, Shannon Sharp, and Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis is my second most favorite Broncos player of all time. Without so, him, they do not win the Super Bowl. No, not at all. I wish I always wish Marino would have had that run game. He had like one thousand yard rusher in his entire career. So we're going to transition real quick. We got a few more topics before we go here. Um, I love Space Jam. I'm going to start my side of the debate. I love Space Jam. Was Space Jam a good movie? Who that's up for debate for most. For me personally, I love the nostalgia. I do love the callbacks to everything. Was it one big WB commercial? Absolutely. Like, that's all it was. It was just like all of their stuff wrapped up in one. But I love Space Jam. Do I think LeBron overacted? Yes. But see, you and I are both aligned in that. I think we both think LeBron is a good actor. Yes. And this was not the best showcase of him. No, because if he would have, he played LeBron in Trainwreck. Like yeah. he played LeBron in Trainwreck. He should have played the same version of LeBron, obviously not as the raunchiest version because Trainwreck wasn't exactly a PG. <laughs> but if you take that version of LeBron and put it in Space Jam, I think it's a little bit more fun. I think he tried too hard. And I uh-huh. think 
it's because of who LeBron is, right? We all know LeBron is competitive. He's just like Brady. I, you know, when is Brady ever going to retire? Who knows? Will LeBron ever retire? You know what I mean? It, it's, it's those different things that make these guys tick. I think that it's, I probably overrated it. I've talked to you about this and sometimes I have problems with movies like this where I'm like, man, I love it. I just, I laughed for an hour and a half. That's what I, that's what I loved most about it. And that's, that's my case. Why space jam was good. And people forget that just because Michael Jordan was great does not mean the original was good. It was just okay. Yeah. So I'm not one of those that I think a lot of people that have, dreaded it it's because the you know the original has a soft spot in their heart i'm not that way in fact i didn't totally remember the plot until i showed it to my wife a week before we watched the new one but what i would say is the first one shorter it was also a giant ad the being an ad for wb and for the for the player involved doesn't bother me at all i mean that is what the first space jam was i will say it had a more iconic soundtrack as soon as Quad City, I have not thought of Quad City DJs in 20 years. As soon as that music started going, I'm just like sitting there in my seat getting yeah. going. The other thing is, I think it had it was shorter by at least a half an hour, and it did not take itself seriously. I actually, especially having watched um, The Last Dance, think that was Michael Jordan's attempt to send himself up because it's the almost the entire thing is a big joke about him sucking at baseball and needing to go back to football or to football to uh, basketball. And this was after he had already admitted that he was not going to be a professional baseball player, had gone back to the NBA and had already won his fourth championship with the Bulls. So it was more of a self-referential. Had I gotten that from a new legacy, I would have liked it better. I, hated it because i thought it was too long took itself way too seriously and lebron took himself too and i don't know if it's him or if it's the way it's written but they made this kind of serious super stakes you know you're playing the game so you don't lose your child yeah that is not why i'm going to space jam and i'll ask you this uh if you have not seen the movie you may want to opt out right now i came away with the idea that bugs bunny died Yes, I mean, but wasn't he alive on Earth though? At the after the game, they take him to the animated area, and Lola Bunny's holding him, and he dissolves and floats up into the sky. Yeah, and I was like, "But don't why is this in a children's movie?" Yeah, well, that's I mean, well, that yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I I I don't know. As I said, I I have a soft spot for LeBron already, and I I, again, I didn't. Well, I like LeBron. I'm a Lakers. It's too long. It's too long. It's too long. 100% too long. I and thought LeBron was incredible in Trainwreck. I think yeah. I was very disappointed in it. I'm, I'm putting this on script and direction. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. There was, it was rewritten like three or four times. There's yeah. like four credited screenplay writers. So before we go, um, uh, recommendations. What do you got for us? I've got I think, I think uh, the big one I want to encourage people to go see, it opens limited today, opens wide next week, nine days. If you are uh, in New York fantastic. and LA, if you're in New York and LA, go see nine days, please. Um, Jungle Cruise releases this weekend. I had a blast with that. I think it's a whole lot of fun. It doesn't take itself seriously. The Rock, who I think is literally one of the most underrated actors in all of Hollywood, just because people think that he's just this muscle-bound action guy. And I think he's the 
complete opposite. I'm a big fan of his. I do love a lot of his work, especially next to Kevin Hart. I think him and Kevin Hart are the match made in heaven, but I, we see a, a version of Emily Blunt that we've never seen before. Uh, the Green Knight comes out this weekend. I am actually going to see that tomorrow. I'm My expectations are low because I don't want them to be high um, because the movie does look a little strange. Um, Stillwater comes out this weekend. Do not go see it. Um, can't recommend not seeing that one enough. Um, nine some, days. Of, some of your jokes. I think, what did you put on the... Uh, on letterbox the water was indeed still yes exactly the water was indeed still and it's it's rough um i one thing i do want to recommend if you are a big fan of outer banks the C, the tv show that was on netflix season two dropped i loved season two there is a few things that i didn't like about it i did write a full review but season two is a banger the one reason i didn't like season one a whole lot was the first like four or five episodes were so slow but once that second half of the season kind of took off, it was like fast paced. Season one, season two drops right out the gate and is just banger after banger after banger. They do have a couple of mixed episodes. Spiritual but successor to Dawson's Creek. Say I love that show. So um, recommendation wise, I do think that's all I've got. Um, totally. Uh, yeah, don't go see Snake Eyes. It's a steam and pile of garbage. Um, last letter from your lover. Watch that on Netflix, please. I loved it. I don't know why, but I did. And but so, to uh, if you're looking to stream, I know we somewhat disagree, but Schmigadoon. I think this I is the week that I think this is the week episode four drops. If it's not this week, it's next week. Has the funniest callback to sound of music in the history of time. Oh, and Ted Lasso and Ted Lasso. Well, and I think maybe we dive into Ted Lasso a little bit more next week. I'm loving it. Recapping it every Friday. You can go get episode recaps. My recap of today's episode drops uh, dropped today. Exactly. Make sure to head on over to the Music City Drive-In because Mr. Fox and I drop content like we are madmen. The fantasy, the uh, 32 football countdown is getting ready to launch next week. I'm very excited about that. Um, Starts Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday August that, 3rd. Spearheading that project for us. And there's a lot of different writings that are going to contribute. Writers contributed to that. So like I said, head over to the Music City Drive-In to check out both of our content and all the other amazing content on the website. We've got some fantastic articles from some fantastic people. Head on over there too to check out some of the other shows amongst the Drive-In Podcast Network. Um, there's so many good shows, Film Optics, 50 Years of Music. Make sure to check out Matthew Fox's other podcast. I'm trying to remember how to point to you. Fan <laughs> the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Make sure to check that out. They drop so many good and so much good content. Music City Drive-In, its last live episode on July 11th was perhaps the greatest in the history of time as we explored the Lord of the Rings. As you notice, folks, there has not been a live episode since, so that might lead, I think, ABC or NBC's on the verge of canceling it. We're hoping that Netflix brings it back one last time. Make sure to head on over to Twitter and follow Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. We hope you enjoy the show. We're going to come to you each and every Friday. It'll drop on the it'll drop on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, you name it, it'll be on there. Thanks if you need one of us to drive it to your house, just let us know. Exactly. We'll do that too while we're in the middle of writing articles. See you guys later. <laughs>